A House Divided Cannot Stand on the Article 7 Podcast. Well, hello and welcome again. This is Pastor Andy Jago. And if you've been keeping up with this podcast, you know that we're cramming a bunch of them here in the end of the year, 2015, just in time for Christmas. We're doing kind of a hurry up format uh, in terms of just getting the sermon out, but also uh, surrounding the sermon with some Advent and Christmas music. We have both for you in today's podcast. And if you are new to the Article 7 podcast, well, (laughs) welcome. This is uh, Pastor Andy Jago speaking to you, and I am the pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia. Say, maybe you live quite a distance from us, but you want to find out more, so you want to visit our website, www.com. Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dash L-C-M-S dot O-R-G. You will find on that website all kinds of information, especially what time our Christmas services are. So you don't want to miss that. Get a little preview from uh, a little snippet of last year's, actually the very end of last year's Christmas Eve candlelight service is going to be included at the very end of this podcast. And uh, the the theme in the music is going to reflect the theme for the third Sunday in Advent when this sermon was preached uh, typically called Rejoice Sunday, and uh, that is because we're rejoicing, getting close to the celebration of Christmas. The epistle lesson f- appointed for this particular Sunday is going to be sung by the Bethany singers, and you're going to hear that before the sermon. Uh, and as I said, a little congregational brass, uh, everyone coming together for Joy to the World Uh, following sermon number 14 of the story. The story is a campaign to read the Bible through the year, and uh, we're connecting our worship to our Sunday school, to our daily reading and devotional reading, to our small groups, uh, all learning the same thing at the same time. And what we're learning this week is about the division of the kingdom, individuals called Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And, uh, well, from Andy Boehm to you, Boehm, (laughs) I hope you'll stick around uh, for the music and for the sermon coming up next.
this year, beginning of the school year, we made a commitment to read through the Bible and study the different books of the Bible in worship, Sunday school, Bible class, coordinating all those things. And we chose a program called The Story to do that, uh, acknowledging that there may be one or two Sundays in there where the, what we're learning in uh, this part of the Bible as we're reading through it may not necessarily line up with all the things that are going on liturgically in our worship and with the church here. This is one of those Sundays, in my opinion, and uh, it, was, it was something to think about. However, I, I do think there's a connection, and the Lord usually gives us a handle uh, in order to get there. But first, let me read uh, from the story, which you also have in the back of your bulletin for today, uh, the reading from First Kings. And this is the middle of chapter 14. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, 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 this is what the Lord says. A man named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart, and the ashes on it will be poured out. Then King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel. He stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him! But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up, so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man of God, Intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. Thus far the text. In the name of Jesus, dear Christian friends, Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we see that his words perhaps have roots in the the story of God's people and the history, family history that is there. They were a family, and now they're divided. Their common ancestry, you know, to come from the brothers of Israel, the brothers of Jacob, to grow into a mighty nation over the course of 400 years in Egypt, to settle into the land of Canaan, to be uh, united together under kings Saul and David, golden age between David and Solomon. And finally, at the end, Solomon turns his heart from the Lord. His son does not live by Solomon's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what Solomon himself turned away from. And so they split. There's another Boam. (laughs) There's Rehoboam, who's Solomon's son, and then Jeroboam leads a revolt. You get the sense that Oboam was a popular popular way to name your your children at the time. A little Irish, I guess. O'Grady, O'Malley, Oboam. Yeah, okay. Um, So as as you... So Jeroboam to the north taking the northern tribes with him, and then their brothers to the south with the tribes of David and Benjamin. To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, 
David, they say, and the family is split. I think uh, when families are not at peace, you know it, and the family, the people you live with, or the people that you see at least once a year, and usually at this time of year, are, you know, they probably present the, the biggest opportunity for us to live out those wonderful things. We hear in the Bible about peace on earth and goodwill toward men, on love and patience and forgiveness. You have to, to live that with people. But and sometimes, as happens around Thanksgiving and Christmas time, we, some of the things, the personalities and the differing view, political viewpoints, Different, you know, the differences really start to come out. And the people who are going to hurt you the most are the people who are closest to you and know your vulnerabilities. This came in, in a little guilty pleasure of mine to look at some of the columns that, that are there. I usually don't, but this time of year I can't resist learn, you know, hearing about... You see, you probably thought that maybe I would tell you a little bit about my family gatherings and the different things that we fight about, not on your life. My mother tunes in on the webcam sometimes to this service. <laughs> not going to happen, my friends. I will gladly talk about other people's families, though, so here's, here's one <laughs> that, I, that I got from the newspaper this week. A person says, I live across the country from my family and always try to take my girls back to visit my parents for the holidays. On first seeing each other at home or at the airport, my mother always smiles warmly, reaches out, and pulls me into a tight hug and whispers something awful in my ear. Uh, So last year it was, you've gained so much weight. I've also gotten, I have a comb in my purse. Why have you stopped wearing makeup? I haven't. I usually cake it on in self-defense beforehand. People are going to ask if you're pregnant, she said. I'm starting my preparations for this year's visit and can't help but look in the mirror and wonder what it will be this year. Maybe I should use stage makeup and put a big blemish on the end of my nose. That's what I would go with, by the way, if I were this individual. So, again, the pressure points. Obviously, the mother knows exactly what to say. (laughs) And... And whether it's intentional or not, you know, just to, that's, those, are the, those are the things that can set you off, that can cause the conflict, that can cause the division. Uh, you know, we all, we all have our buttons, and sometimes, for whatever reason, around this time of year, people know where they are and just how to push them. And that leads to conflict. So how do we get back to, to where we are? Well, the Bible, this chapter of the story reminds us, how did this division start? It began with Solomon turning his heart away from the Lord. And then the, the, the succeeding rulers of both north and south do the same thing by worshiping other gods. In fact, history repeats itself in a major way with Jeroboam. He's the, now the leader to the north. And at Bethel, you know, the place where he, the, the, the common you know, father, the father of all the tribes of Israel, saw this vision of, of the latter. Uh, and the angels ascending and descending the ladder at Bethel. It's a high, holy place. It's a sacred place. And so here, though, he makes a golden calf. And again, reading, you have to go back to what we learned in the story in October to remember the golden calf was a, a, a major idolatry at Sinai. And how many people lost their lives. It's also how God raised up the priesthood from the Levites. 
Well, Jeroboam does away with the Levites. He appoints who he wants as the priests and high priests. And he leads people into sin with idols, breaking the commandments of the Lord. How does God remedy that? And this is, again, how we remedy the division that is there as well. You're going to see this phrase in every chapter of the story now as we go through. And it takes over in this part of the Bible from 1 Kings and then to all the prophets. The Devar Yahweh, the word of the Lord. Repeatedly, there has to be a call to faithfulness to go back to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. It, every, and then how is that word conveyed? Again, in our chapter, the man of God. God raises up individuals, just like he raised up Moses. He raised up the judges. He raised up the the kings to to keep people faithful, to keep them as a family united with each other and with the love of God at the center. And so what happens when Jeroboam reaches out to the man of God? Why? Because he's putting himself up in the Lord's place. He thinks he's above all these different things. He's above Uh, the Lord, and he stretches out his hand. You know what your mother told you? When one finger points at someone else, you got three more coming back. She used to tell me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Uh, He stretched out his hand, and the reminder of who was in charge is he was not able to put it back. Until it's restored. How is it restored? Jeroboam says, intercede with the Lord your God. We need to to be in prayer this whole season, but our our whole lives, sure. But especially when we don't feel that we can be the peace, where we can be the joy in this world. We have to have that restored. We have to say, Lord Jesus Christ, intercede for me and come and be at the center once more. There was a, in the first Bethany I was pastor at was Bethany Lutheran in Yonkers, New York. And at the time I was pastor there, we had a small number of children in the youth group. And the, the message that these uh, children were getting, that Louis Farrakhan was at that time gathering, he was, he was talking about the Million Youth March in New York City. And the refrain that kept going through there, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. It's a catchy phrase. And unfortunately, the the Farrakhan and and people who were organizing that had the reputation of also advocating of you you get the justice through acting out and through violence and through encouraging those acts, not just of peaceful disobedience like Martin Luther King Jr., but that's how Farrakhan sets himself apart from that. So I was you know, saying this with the, with the youth group that was there, and we had, we had struggled. The, the struggle for justice was real in Yonkers. There was, a, there was still this, there was this bizarre thing that I encountered when I visited church members that there were streets that, you know, just, there was a barricade. The street would continue on the other side. And I had to be educated. Well, that was the white side of Yonkers, and this was the black side. Really? Okay. This is New York? Yes, it is New York. Okay. This is one of the immediate suburbs just outside of New York City. And, and unfortunately, I had church members, and, I, and we have one uh, staff member, my wife reminded me, from Concordia, Bronzeville, that constantly was pulled over for DWB, driving while black. 
It was aggravating. It was frustrating. And what do you do with that anger and that frustration? Well, side note, you know, here we had a police station was right there. It was a little outpost, really. And where our church was, Bethany Luther, we were surrounded by a housing project. And oftentimes there was a lot of trouble with crime in that housing project. So we wanted to support the police, but also let them know about the people that they were dealing with. So whenever the church had a fundraiser, like we would sometimes have a a fish fry on a Friday or, you know, something that involved some really good, learned to really appreciate soul food that was really good for the soul. And that was how we did our fundraising at that church. We would always, a representative of the church or myself and my caller, we would always go over to the police station and just spend some time talking about the neighborhood as we brought the food over there. And that was a really good connection. That was a, that was a constructive way. And we you know, when people are angry and frustrated, they have a channel for that. So our channel in our church, and I, it wasn't original to our church, of course. It was a phrase that other, other Christians were saying to counteract you know, the, the, the Million Youth March and other marches that were like it at the time. If you, if you don't know God, you don't know peace. Know God in your life, know peace. But if you know God, K-N-O-W, then, of course, you will know peace. And, of course, the invitation there is to know the Lord. And one of the things that, that we find out in the Lord's kingdom, and I gave a number of quick uh, Bible verses in your outline for today, is that, you know, the math in the Lord's kingdom, it doesn't always add up. Two plus two equals, or two, two equals three. Where two are better than one. So two, two, two in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and then this is chapter 4, and this is one that I use when counseling marital couples, I always ask the question, at the end, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I said, the math doesn't add up. It's two, two, and then all of a sudden you have three out of nowhere at the end of that verse, a threefold cord. Because how do those two get together? And there's not really a wrong answer. You could say, well, that's love, that's family, and so forth. The answer I like the best is that is the Lord. You keep Jesus at the center of your family, of your marriage, of your relationships. And that threefold cord, it's not just two, but you add the Lord into there. That's not quickly broken. Peter goes to, to Jesus, is seven times enough to forgive my brother? No, you forgive 70 times seven. And I could just see him responding, but Lord, that, you know, by the time I, I'm done, I forget where I am and I can't count it. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't keep count in the Lord's kingdom. You keep on forgiving. Why? Because our ultimate peace, the ultimate center for us, and I think we need to be reminded of this, not just on this Sunday in Advent, but all through our lives. The real real text for today actually is from Ephesians chapter 2. And a verse of that is in your your sermon outline. Now I'm going to take out my my other Bible here. Because to me, this is, this is what it's, it comes down to on this Sunday. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So we, in our families, elsewhere in our lives, we put up these walls with one another. Who breaks them down? But our Lord Jesus Christ, who broke down the ultimate wall between ourselves and the Lord. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he may create in himself one new man in place of two, and so making peace. 
and might reconcile us both to one God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to you who are near. The Lord speaks peace because of that reconciliation. He gives us the reconciliation with each other, whether that's in our families or in our, you know, all the places of work or our schools, because he has made peace on the cross. There's no greater peace than the blood shed by Jesus Christ in order to bring us into the Lord. It can't be through the covenant. It can't be through the old covenant, that is. It can't be through just the law and by knowing that we should do better and we can do better. That's not going to do it. It has to be the power of God that brings us into that relationship with the Lord. And then, only then, when the Lord is there, can we bring our arms out. Hopefully pulling each other in with a hug without the snippy word. (laughs) But bringing it in with the word of peace. Simply, I love you. Simply, God loves us and brings us together. May we be reminded of that constantly in this season and in the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear mighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you.